0: All right, everybody. So let me get straight to the point. This is Vice.com. The healthcare workers doing sex work on the side
1: underpaid and burnt out by the pandemic, some say they find sex worker release by Pauline Verduzor, illustrated by Raphael Macaron, March 3rd, 2021, eight o'clock in the morning. This article originally appeared on Vice France. Health work and sex work aren't often seen as adjacent industries, but each involves assisting with bodily needs each is often seen as women's work in quotations and each is undervalued by society albeit in different ways sex work can be profitable sex work can be profitable but is stigmatized while health work and caregiving is seen as noble but is undercompensated after a career as a porn actress producer and director Liza Del Sierra, 35, decided to resume her nursing studies in 2018. Del Sierra also volunteers for the French Medical Reserves Corps, a group of health professionals that can be called in to assist medical teams in times of need. Again, a group of health professionals that can be called in to assist medical teams in times of need. During the first wave of the pandemic, she was asked to work at a resuscitation unit in a French hospital. She in a French hospital, she didn't want to say where, dealing with COVID-19 patients. The job was unpaid, but her school counted it as training. To make ends meet, she kept up her OnlyFans page in her spare time. At the hospital, healthcare workers were on the front line of the crisis. We ran out of drugs and supplies, and some patients ended up dying in horrible conditions, she said. Sometimes they'd struggle until their last breath for up to 45 minutes because they didn't have enough drugs like painkillers. It really hurt to see that. Del Sierra says she couldn't stop thinking about how isolated patients were far from friends and family in those final moments. I gotta read that again. Del Sierra said she couldn't stop thinking about how isolated patients were far from friends and family in those final moments. Amongst the chaos and sadness, she noticed this was the first job where colleagues didn't give her a hard time about her career in porn. It felt good to be looked at as a professional, she said. Del Sierra is far from the only sex worker in scrubs. With an average salary of $1,800 per month before tax in France and a stressful daily routine, many health workers use sex work to top up their wages and as a kind of release. Lena, a nurse in her 30s, began stripping while she was a student. She said the side hustle helped her cope with her high-stress job caring for people with serious illnesses. I used to dance two or three nights a week, she said. That's what saved me from burnout. Over the years, she was assigned more and more patients to care for and had to compromise on her standards. Basically, we're forced to mistreat people, she said. At night, I'd go home and replay my day in my head, blaming myself for everything I should have done differently. I was so exhausted. During the first wave of the pandemic, Lena was called to a hospital near Paris to fill in, to fill in for colleagues on sick leave. We had 35 patients per nurse and two nurses' aides in total, she said. She finished late each night and her next shift would start at 7 a.m. Meaning she'd often end up sleeping in her car. We couldn't get the shifts covered. Even for the cleaning staff, literally everyone was suffering, she said. Worst of all, I didn't have the time to be compassionate with people anymore. We couldn't get the shifts covered, even for the cleaning staff. Literally everyone was suffering, she said. Worst of all, I didn't have the time to be compassionate with people anymore. When the temporary job came to an end, Lena decided to leave for Guadeloupe, a French region in the Caribbean where strip clubs remained open. There, she took up dancing at a safe distance from her audience while wearing a mask. It cleared my mind, she said. Suddenly, I had this feeling of control. At this moment, she's taking a break from her healthcare job, where she said it's still her number one love to regain her mental strength. Quad 30 wears three hats, escort, PhD student, and an at-home caregiver. The latter, a female dominated profession, consists of housekeeping, preparing meals, grooming, and doing administrative work for elderly and disabled people. It can also involve more menial tasks, depending on the client. One of my young disabled clients asks me to help him text his friends and swipe on dating apps at Fouad Wade oh, where we meet, where we met in a park outside Paris. Like Del Sarah and Lena wide also worked overtime during the first wave up to 60 hours a week up to 60 hours a week there was such a huge demand for caregivers plus we needed to fill in for the workers who've been exposed to the virus they said adding that they weren't paid extra for night shifts or overtime we couldn't even claim the bonus they gave to healthcare workers after the first wave they explained Just the bonus didn't include caretakers who work for individuals. Later in 2020, Hawaii began working as an escort for reasons they didn't want to go into. Both are service jobs. They aren't really all that different to me, they said. But their double career posed another moral dilemma. But but their double career posed another moral dilemma. The fear of infecting a patient with COVID-19 after being with a client. Eventually, Fouad came to terms with the decision to continue their sex work, since they believe their side job isn't any riskier than many other lines of work. I see four clients a month, that's it. The rest of the time I work alone at my computer, they said, it's easy to point fingers at a stigmatized group while everyone else is busy crowding the subway in supermarkets. In France, being an escort is not illegal, but soliciting sex works and services was criminalized in 2016. This type of legislation aims to penalize clients while legally protecting sex workers, and it is known as the Nordic model since it was first introduced in Scandinavian countries. But according to French sex workers, the law made their job more dangerous as many now have to perform their services in well-hidden areas so that their clients can avoid the cops. Camille, 33, is a single mom affected by an invisible disability. She works as a dental surgeon in a private practice and as a professional dominant matrix. Camille says her sex work is a source of extra income and is compatible with her need for flexible hours and with her condition. In May, when dentists opened back up after six weeks of lockdown, Camille's practice had a huge influx of patients, which drove her to exhaustion. She eventually stopped working at the practice and turned to sex work to compensate for several months of lost income. This also meant putting up with working conditions she would never have accepted if she wasn't strapped for cash. Clients now come to my place because many of them are married. Plus, there are more restrictions on movement now, she said over Skype. I had to put my safety aside and risk bringing COVID into the house. I really didn't have a choice. Camille said her clients aren't very considerate about following safety measures, so she tries to only booking the minimum amount she needs to pay the bills. The risk she has to manage illustrates another thing health and sex workers share. The pandemic has put them in a precarious situation. Name change and quote about patient struggling to breathe
0: was updated. So here's what I want to say, and more importantly, need to say. People should not have to
1: compromise their values, their integrity, their convictions, their beliefs, their morality, and what's right for them in order to live a compassionate life. No one should be struggling with money. No one should
0: be struggling with their health. No one should be struggling with their nobility principles. Nobody should be struggling with
1: their sense of self, their self-worth. No one should struggle to care for
0: their families, their loved ones, their inner circle. No one should have to be the opposite of who they truly are in order to have all of your human needs well taken care of. Sex workers, just like non-sex
1: workers, are entitled to human rights, equal rights, civil and political rights, economic, social, and cultural rights, economic justice racial justice, environmental justice, political justice, social
0: justice, cultural justice, equal justice, human justice, civil and political justice, civil justice. And they're, and they're entitled to the justice of their views on religion being honored. That this is why the right to health, the right to
1: housing, the right to
0: fair wages, union wages, living wages, Enough
1: money where no one is starving, no one is hungry, no one is exhausted, no one is dehydrated, no one is thirsty, no one is naked, no one is out on the streets, no one's evicted, no
0: horrible landlords, no horrible tenants. Affordability. These are all things that human being should have.
1: It's one thing to do sex work for the fun of it. It's another thing where usually you wouldn't be a sex worker, but you have to do a profession that's not your thing in order to be able to open your eyes in the morning when you wake up. Nobody should have to abhor themselves just to not have it as bad as it could be in life. And I do have to say, mental health is important. Therapy is good. Counseling is good. Recovery centers are good. Psychiatry and prescribed medication
0: that does your your body right are good. Getting surgeries that you absolutely need to are good. Yes, we should follow the COVID-19 restrictions. We should wear masks.
1: If you need to wear goggles, wear them. If your body can handle the vaccine well, take it. And nobody should scrutinize somebody because their sex work history. Focus on the fact they're human beings. They are entitled to healthy professionalism
0: kind of treatment. And we should make it a lot easier
1: for people to make multiple streams of income. And people have the right to safety, the right to physical protection, and no one should have to avoid the cops to avoid eviction. So... These are things that people have to be concerned about, people have to care about. So this is why I talk about these kinds of things because so many people are suffering in silence. Suffering in silence is never cool. And if people have lost money, we should help them easily recoup it. And you have people who are labeled disabled. You have people who are stigmatized in a myriad of ways, and they should never ever have to live a live lifestyles that aren't that are disingenuous to them. No one should be penalized for doing what
0: they needed to do, what they had to do to keep breathing. And so. People are entitled to the
1: Universal Declaration of Human Rights, whether they are sex workers or not. Whether sex work is something that they would do because of their nature or something they had to do that's it's not their nature, all, both sides are entitled to the universal, universal Declaration of Human Rights. They are both entitled to mental health care, quality mental health care, quality health care,
0: and quality self-care. I have to speak the truth.
1: Let me get to this one, news.com.au. Mom of four turns Playboy model after getting divorced. After years of being in an unhappy marriage, Fiona Hollingsworth, is celebrating single life with a new job that involves a lot of nudity. Dolly partners in talks to boys for Playboy, her 75th birthday. She appeared on the cover in the year 1978. A mom of four, they say mom in UK, mom, mom, same thing. A mom of four has become a Playboy Playboy. Glamour model after discovering a newfound confidence following her divorce. Fiona Hollingsworth, 37, Worcestershire, UK, described how she had forged a new career since becoming single. When she was just 21, she met her husband, who Fiona had chosen that name. They married and wanted to have four children, which sidelined her, for, her passion for modeling. However, after divorcing in October 2019, Fiona is now showcasing her body in a series of saucy snaps in a bid to show other moms that it's never too late to fulfill your modeling dreams. After my divorce last October, I was really motivated to get myself back out there. I applied for Miss Swimsuit in March this year, two weeks before we went into complete lockdown. Fiona, a former retail assistant, said, "That is where I picked up. That is where I was picked up by a Playboy playmate scout, and she took my details. Since then." I've gained my Playboy Playmate title, which I can keep forever, and I've appeared in Playboy Spain and Playboy Portugal. Fiona from Eversham, or described herself as being over the moon to be a Playmate, adding, it means so much to me. It opens up so many doors, and I'm taking everything in my stride, she said. I am now working with a top photographer from the U.S. who works for FHM, Playboy, and Lifestyle Plus. I'm really proud of myself and the happiest I have been in a long time. In order to prepare for her glamorous new job, Fiona has spent $10,000, $18,194. They're talking about 10,000, I think it was Euro on cosmetic enhancements, including Botox fillers and having your existing boob job redone and rhinoplasty. I had my boobs done a couple of times when I was 18 and 21, but since getting back to modeling, I really wanted to maintain the look after myself. So I've had my boobs redone as well as the nose job, she said. I also spent around €3,000 or 5458 dollars on fillers and Botox since my divorce in a bid to maintain my looks. I have bought lots of sets, S-E-T-S, of sexy lingerie, silk gowns, and skimpy dresses, which I absolutely love wearing for my shoots. Fiona says her new job has made her happier than ever after years in an unhappy marriage. I was not in my happy relationship, and my kids are between the ages of 10 and 4 were growing up, I decided I want to do something for me, she said. I am the type of person that when something makes me feel low and in a negative space, it makes me want to come back even stronger. My unhappy relationship boosted me to bounce back and find my love for modeling again. So I convinced myself to apply for model of the year. Despite having no expectations, she ended up winning the title and is now looking forward to her future in the modeling world. I cannot believe it, I was so happy, she said. It really restored my confidence. It spurred me on to apply for the contest again. I won two categories, model of the year, bikini model of the year, it was amazing. Here are my thoughts. Once you recognize your marriage is unhappy and it's never gonna get better, get out as soon as possible and make yourself happy and not lose your individuality with your significant other. Um, And as long as what you're doing is not harmful, you can do it. There's age appropriate ways to explain to young people. Um, Don't give them everything right away as they get older bit by bit, layer by layer, step by step. Um, I'm happy that she is um, doing what is her fun career for her. And I say that genuinely. Um, It's okay for women to be beautiful inside and out. Um, Divorce is a touchy subject. And so we have to remember to to never marry someone that is divorce material for you. Marry somebody who is
0: Forever marriage material. And I know it's easier said than done. Um, that's very important. It's just consider working on yourself before you are
1: monogamous with someone else. Uh, make sure your self-esteem is healthy. Whether you're in a relationship or not, always keep yourself staying healthy. And I am for plastic surgery. I am for gender reassignment surgery. I am for enhancements and duns and reduns and rhinoplasty. I am for any kind of job, not just blue jobs, any kind of body job. Um... That's how I think, which is something I am very proud of, of thinking. Another thing that I want to say, I am for body modifications. I am for body alterations. I am for body piercing, I am for ear piercing, I am for curling, I am for neck rings, I am for tattooing, I am for scrotal implants.
0: Um, I am for like transdermal implants and, Microdermal implants, surface piercing, eye tattooing, teeth
1: blackening. As long as there's no physical harm done that could endanger someone's mental health, and for all of those things. Um, those are just some examples of basically I'm for um, body modification and body alteration. Want
0: to put that out there. Um, And lastly, I would just say
1: in a marriage, if modeling or playboy is something you want to do, make sure you're with somebody
0: that is okay with that. If certain passions, you need certain
1: Certain passions means you need a partner who's on board with that so
0: you wouldn't feel like, I got to get away from you so I can do it. Other than that, I am happy that she is sexy to herself. I think
1: she's sexy,
0: but I'm not sexualizing her.
1: I am happy...
0: In closing, in this article, that she is being her true self. Okay, this is very important. Very important. Um,
1: The Sex Worker Self-Care Kit. These tips are from Sex Workers for Sex Workers by Anna Borges, self.com. Morgan Johnson. Self-care kits are a series dedicated to curating tips for specific communities from specific communities. Again, self-care kits are a series dedicated to curating tips for specific communities from specific communities. So many factors impact our personal self-care needs, like being of one or more marginalized identity, having a certain illness, or dealing with specific life circumstances. When you connect with people with similar experiences, not only can you feel less alone, you can also get some of the best advice from others who have been there. The thing about self-care is that it is never one-size-fits-all. Let me say that again. The thing about self-care is that it is never one-size-fits-all. Sex workers, those who offer services between consenting, adults like companionship, intimacy, escorting, dancing, camming, and Countless other sexual and non sexual services are, a, are as diverse a group as the general population, and the individual self care needs can vary just as much. Let me say that again sex workers, those who offer services between consenting adults like companionship, intimacy, escorting, dancing, camming, and countless other sexual and non sexual services, are as diverse a group as the general population and their individual self-care needs can vary just as much. That said, when I asked members of the sex work community about their personal self-care routines, a few things popped up from dealing with the stigma against sex work to taking care of their bodies. Of course, there's never going to be a list of tips where every item will apply to every person. So when reading these suggestions, take what you like and leave the rest. And remember, getting enough sleep, staying hydrated and nourished and prioritizing personal safety are foundational forms of self-care that everyone should work on. Sex worker or not, psychotherapist Dolce Zinnia Pythagora, PhD, LCSW, who specializes in working with adults in the kink, polyamorous, trans, GNC, NB, LGBTQA+, and sex work communities tell self. On top of those basics, here are, some, here are some tips. Sex workers and experts in the space recommend others in the industry tuck into their self-care toolboxes to do build a stress prevent a stress prevention toolkit. Let's be clear: sex work itself doesn't automatically cause mental health troubles. However, sex workers are subject to unique stressors. Because of the way they're often treated and viewed by others, sex and relationship therapist Katie Bloomquist, M-S-M-A-L-A-M-F-T, tells self. On top of that, Bloomquist says work involving emotional and sexual labor lends itself to a type of burnout called compassion fatigue, which includes symptoms like mental, emotional and physical exhaustion, isolation, and depersonalization. depersonalization. Depersonalization involves feeling detached from yourself, like you're outside your own body looking in, or having a sense that you or your surroundings aren't real. These stresses are sometimes known as minority stress, which Boomquist notes is not unique to sex workers, but is common among those of marginalized identities. Minority stress has historically been explored through the lens of mental health disorders in LGBTQI people, for instance. The minority stress of sex work is essentially a result of the way society responds to and subjects sex workers to higher rates of violence and rejection related to their work, says Bloomquist. This can look like identity concealment or disclosure issues around sex work, internalized stigma and identity issues and expectations of rejection, which can result in isolation. For all these reasons, your self-care kit should include targeted healthy coping mechanisms and stress management tools. If you don't know where to start, Bloomquist suggests creating a stress prevention toolkit There's a bunch of great advice for making one in this webinar on sex worker self-care that Bloomquist created during her time as the vice president of the Sex Workers Outreach Project USA, SWAP USA. Creating a toolkit is a personal process that takes into account your own circumstances and needs and includes exploring questions like, what are warning signs I'm not doing okay? How can I check in with myself? What do I have control over? How can I reduce stress in my life? From there, you can work on building a personalized toolkit that takes those insights into account. Find your social support system. Social support is a universally important form of self-care, particularly for sex workers because they're often closeted, says Pythagora. Finding social support that is truly supportive can be difficult. All the sex workers I talk to name social media as a potential source of community and connection. A lot of my self-care started with finding other sex workers online, says Nora B27, a sex educator, a former sex worker. Instagram especially can be a positive community around sex work. She suggested using tags like hashtag sex workers work, hashtag sex workers unite, and hashtag sex worker rights to find others in your shoes. I love those hashtags. Those are, those are my Actual thoughts. It's worth noting that accessing online sex worker communities has become a lot more complicated since Donald Trump signed into law allows states and victims to fight online sex trafficking act of 2017. FOSTA, a mashup of a previous version of FOSTA, and the Senate stop enabling sex traffickers at SESTA. So a Shut the fuck up about my porn star affair slash sexual predator signed that kind of law. Can someone say hypocrisy? Refer to collo- colloquially as Sesta slash F-O-S-T-A, the act intended to protect sex workers from trafficking. But in practice, many argue that online platforms have become overly cautious and restrictive in the content they allow and are silencing marginalized voices as a result. But Tagura points out that these effects have started bleeding over into social media and that many sex workers are consequently suffering. For example, after the bill was passed, Reddit banned several long-running sex worker communities like r slash escorts, r slash male escorts, r slash hookers and r slash sugar daddy. If you don't have anyone you feel safe and comfortable talking to about your job or don't want to risk getting banned from social networks online, the tagger suggests looking into local or online groups, meetups, events, or resources for sex workers. For more info, scroll down to the resources at the end of this article. Take measures to protect yourself on social media. Anyone on social media knows it can be a total shit show for your mental health sometimes. While sometimes social media can be a valuable source of social support and connection, it can also be painful and triggering, says Pythagoras. Muting words on Twitter, which which can be an especially nightmarish platform, is a good way to make your mentions a safer space, according to Nora. What you mute depends on what kind of messages you want to filter out, but you might want to start with terms related to body shaming or, like Nora, certain political figures. I mute the word Trump, she says. I'm going to abide by her wisdom. If I need that information, I can get it elsewhere. I don't need to see that name when I go on Twitter. I'm a fan of hers already. Mara S, 25, is a performer who does cam work in used to strip. She's also a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, so she has a list of muted words meant to fend off the triggering incest fantasies men often drop in her mentions. Six psychotic perverts. It's about assessing your own needs and also being liberal with your use of the block button. Also, if your business practices allow for it, Pythagoras suggests taking occasional breaks, occasional breaks from social media in general. If not, I recommend using an app that can schedule posts and provide notifications you need to respond to without having to wade through disheartening content. She says, tweet, tweet that. For example, has many ways to customize your Twitter experience, including scheduling tweets. Don't ignore the physical demands of the job. Of course, this applies to nourishing and hydrating your body, but don't forget about tending to your job-specific aches and pains, too. I was 23 when I started stripping, so I thought my body was in pretty good shape, Christina O31 tells Self. I wasn't prepared for how bruised and sore I feel after coming home, so stretching and yoga both before and after, not at the club, became essential to me. It doesn't hurt when a soothing physical ritual also has job perks. I'm obsessive about my skincare routine, says Mary. It grounds me and I can also justify how excessive it is because, hey, I'm a dancer. My skin needs to look good. Physical care can have mental benefits, too, in that it can reinforce that you're a person who deserves care and respect. I need to be gentle and loving towards my body when it's being critiqued constantly, says Nora. For me, a lot of that is being mindful of my triggers and surrounding myself with a lot of body positive and fat positive folks. Set professional boundaries. Boundaries are necessary for keeping you feeling safe and comfortable in all aspects of your life, including at work. I didn't set good boundaries when I was younger, Heather T, a 30-year-old professional dome who also works in academia, tells self. But now I have a list of stuff I will and will not do so I don't fuck myself up. Some boundaries can be about protecting your mental health or physical safety, but they also don't all have to be super deep. Packing I just don't do because I feel like an idiot wearing a strap on, says Heather. Nora suggests creating boundaries that extend beyond the physical work and into your business practices. There are a lot of scammers out there, so I set my boundaries with clients and dump back down, she says. Things like not allowing people to shake me down for cheaper prices, waste my time with a lot of messaging and not sending pictures without a deposit. Come up with a healthy way to process negative work experiences. Depending on what you do, your day-to-day work might be taxing in one or more ways. It might be physically hard on your body or emotionally draining. It might be annoying or enraging or exhausting or scary at times. a million things can impact how you feel when work is over, so it's crucial to know how to take care of yourself afterward. Heather took to journaling after bad sessions with clients whether it was because she felt off her game or because the client's well sucked. Writing helps me recontextualize some fucked up shit as something that could be cathartic or entertaining, she says. Keep your vanilla friends close. Heather, whose work can involve being degrading to and humiliating clients, finds it helpful to decompress with her friends who aren't in the sex work community. Sometimes I need a reminder from my vanilla friends about what is normal human interaction, she says. Even if you don't need people outside the industry for gut checks, people not in your line of work can help you keep some work-life balance. When I'm around my sex work friends, sometimes all we talk about is work, says Mary. It's nice to have people who get it, but it's also important for me to take a break from that part of my life. Try to find a sex work affirming therapist. For Heather, finding a therapist who's had a history in sex work was total luck, but she recommends giving it a shot if you can. Talking to someone who has been in that world was unbelievably helpful for my mental health, she says. I'm pretty candid to a fault, but, but even I get nervous talking to just anybody about golden showers. Check out this guide to finding a sex work affirming therapist here. It's called wwwmnsexualhealthorg single dash post choosing for the link give yourself a break if you're working through internalized sex work stigma real talk stigma against sex work doesn't exist in a vacuum it's totally understandable if you find yourself thinking some unfair unkind or judgmental things whether towards yourself or the sex workers Some of the books and resources at the end of this article might be helpful if you're looking to unlearn some of your attitudes towards sex work. In the meantime, Heather suggests fighting back against your negative voice. I have to dome my brain, says Heather. Like, brain, you're being an asshole right now, and I need you to shut the fuck up. You know that's not true. Also keep in mind that it's okay if you don't love your work. According to Mary, with the rise of sex work communities on social media, a lot of people put their best, most empowering faces forward. It's okay to give yourself permission not to embody the persona of a triumphant, self-possessed sex worker, SW'er, if you don't feel that way. I love the rise of accepting sex work as work and sex worker positivity. By the way, I'm accepting sex work. I'm accepting sex work as work, and I am pro-sex work. I am a sex worker positivity kind of person myself. Okay. I love the rise of accepting sex work as work and sex worker positivity, but it sometimes comes with a lot of pressure, says Mary. We spend so much time defending ourselves against people with bullshit opinions that I feel guilty if I'm not the paragon of a feminist sex worker who is doing this to reclaim my sexuality and agency over my body or whatever. There's nothing wrong with being that way. I'm just saying at the top of my head, there's nothing wrong with those things at all, right? Like, no, I'm doing this because I need to pay my bills and it's hard and sometimes degrading. I respect her perspective. Heather finds it helpful to remind herself that sex work is, in fact, a job. And guess what? Plenty of people don't like their jobs. At the end of the day, we're all using the tools that we have to labor under the structures of capitalism, she says.
0: Okay, so here we go. And I'm not saying that because I'm upset. I'm just,
1: I'm doing a lot of thinking as I'm reading So I'm not disagreeing with anybody so far. I'm just making sure I respect the time constraints of the podcast for the episode Uh, to buy something you feel confident in. Okay, yes, we're just we just touched on how capitalism sucks. But hey, in a profession that could be intricately linked to your body, which can be a source of complicated feelings for so many, sometimes little retail therapy is helpful. It's sometimes hard working with a Bunch of beautiful goddess women, says Heather. Most of my anxiety is centered around my stomach, so I try to find outfits to make me feel good. I'm a big fan of Savage X Fenty. She says the lace corset, $105. Savage X Fenty in particular makes me feel like a boss. A classic magic wand or your sex toy of choice. Masturbation is self-care for me. Me too. Yes, I self pleasure every day. And yes, I masturbate every day. And yes, I self-ejaculate every day. Here we go. Masturbation is self-care for me, says Mary. It obviously feels good. That's why I do it too. And it also helps me take ownership of my body, ground myself in pleasure. That's for me and me only. I second that I, I do the same things. She recommends the classic magic one, $56 Amazon as her sex drawer, as her sex drawer, MVP if you don't know where to start. Something to help you get into character. Whether you like thinking of your work persona as an alter ego or just like to have fun, Heather says a uniform or costume can do wonders. I always wear a wig to help get into character and gain confidence, especially when my own hair is a mess which it always is, she says, just some really good tea or another drink you love to say hydrated. When she was stripping, Christine never went to the club without a stash of tea to keep her awake. One of my first nights, I was offered drugs, but honestly, I didn't realize I was being offered something until later, she says. I had mentioned I was exhausted. Another woman offered me a pick-me-up, to which I said, oh, I've got hot tea. Definitely not the reaction she was expecting. One of her favorites, an early gray lavender $36 Rishi. A stress ball. Stress balls, putty, and other therapeutic trinkets are a must for Heather when she needs help grounding herself. These therapy massage balls, $10 on Amazon, are her favorite to toss between her hands. They're softer than a tennis ball but harder than an average stress ball, she says. A handheld back massager. Mary swears by the body Jack Buddy Jr., Twenty-two thousand on Amazon, for getting at the hard-to-reach places on her body that eat a little TLC. I have a desk job half the week. I have a desk job half the week, and it's terrible for my neck and back. She says I can't be so tightly wound for the body work I do. Some CBD goodies, as self previously reported, cannabidiol (CBD) is a cannabinoid or a compound present in cannabis. Cannabinoids can interact with our bodies as cannabinoid receptors, which can only, only exist because our bodies naturally make similar compounds called indescent cannabinoids that influence various physiological processes. Although some cannabinoid receptors are involved in the pain response, experts are still iffy on the actual benefits of various topical CBD products for pain. Basically, there's not yet enough conclusive research out there to recommend CBD products for pain relief. But anecdotally, the trendy stuff has plenty of uses among its fans. Nora recommends the brand Rose Moon Ritual if you want to purchase CBD products from a sex work affirming company. I'm a fan of sex work affirming companies, by the way. They even have a strip of recovery gift set, $50 Rose Moon Ritual PDX, Rose Moon Ritual. Okay, make sure I'm saying it right. To bookmark Your Silence Will Not Protect You by Andre Lorde or any of Lorde's work, the writers pos- posthumous, posthumous collection of essays, speeches, and poems touched on themes like power feminism and the importance of using your voice. I have been rereading it to deal with shame, especially from fellow academics, says Heather. Some curated playlists. It's never a bad idea to have music on hand to get in the mood whatever that mood may be. Heather goes for empowering playlists to make me feel like a badass dome, she says. Her current playlist has a lot of Cardi B, Blondie, and Grimes. Mastocast. This podcast features interviews about sex, sex work, BDSM, and kink. Wow. I'm the biggest fan of sex. I'm the biggest fan of sex work. I'm the biggest fan of BDSM. I'm the biggest fan of kink. I'm going to check that podcast out. This podcast features interviews about sex, sex work, media, and kink, and Heather recommends it because it makes me feel less weird and makes me laugh. Me too. Playing the Whore, the work of sex work by Melissa Garrett Grant. Noah recommends this book in which journalist Melissa Garrett Grant takes on myths about sex work. Yay! Highlights exactly how sex work is worked. Yippee! And explains why sex work is rights are human rights. Hallelujah. Sex Workers Outreach Project USA. SWAP USA is a national social justice network dedicated to the fundamental human rights of people involved in the sex trade in their communities. Focus on ending violence and stigma through education and advocacy. Notably, they have a volunteer staff community support line where current and former sex workers, as well as activists and others seeking peer support, can access direct support. To reach it, call 877 776 2004 Volunteers will respond to all calls and 24 hours services. It's worth noting that this isn't a crisis line for emergencies. Strange Bad Fellows. Noah recommends this podcast, hosted by two sex hosted by two sex workers named Ellen John. I love sex work podcasts. They cover lots of topics, including sex and the politics of sex work, she says. It's informational and keeps me up to date on issues and laws affecting the sex work community. I decided I'm, I'm doing that in my podcast. I'm, I, I wanna, I'm doing them, but for this podcast in my like, an hour. Sorry, I don't want to make it be selfish. Revolting Prostitutes The Fight for Sex Workers' Rights by Molly Smith. Here's another book wrecked for Nora. This time, a manifesto written by two sex workers arguing for full decriminalization of sex work through a personal and political lens. Lysistra. This online sex work activist cooperative and emergency fund that helps support marginalized workers is not a bad thing to bookmark in case you're ever in crisis. Lysistrata. Lysistrata is available to assistive individuals in the case of emergencies related to illness, injury, homelessness, wrongful arrest, and incarceration, unstable or abusive working conditions, domestic violence, discrimination, and a number of other crises that can impact sex workers. Priority goes to PLC and trans workers. You can find their guidelines for fund requests here. Li, I'm sorry. www.lysistrata.com mccf.org slash guidelines for fund requests. I appreciate all of the self care kits and over time I'm implementing all of the self care kits listens article into my personal professional lives. L
0: I V E S. So, I think I, here we go. I have more energy.
1: November 15, 2017, self.com. Sex workers are not a life hack for helping sexual predators. The problem is power, not sexual proclivities by Alana Massey. Last week, the New York Times reported that comedian Lewis CK has a history of masturbating in front of women without their consent. The following day, CK released a statement admitting that the accusations were true. I cannot decide if I should be more appalled or resentful of the fact that every time we learn about yet another famous sexual predator, I find myself shocked, both by the man's behavior and the public reaction to it. Anybody who does that and they have a dick. I can't call them a real man. I call them shit piles, is what I call them. In Louis C.K.'s case, people expressed disappointment over loss of C.K.'s career for what they felt was an easily remedied issue. One common response was that he should have indulged a so-called fetish of masturbating in front of women by hiring a sex worker instead. Louis C.K. could have paid a hooker or dominatrix to laugh at him while while he wanked it? And this all could have been avoided, read one tweet. Oh, for fuck's sakes, why? Just why? Go pay for a hooker or go pick someone up in a bar or keep in your pants. God damn it. Hashtag Lucy, I really loved your stuff. You should let that you, that you too are a sad perv, someone else tweeted, it. As if sad pervs are the only people who want to masturbate in front of women. And as if sex workers are a quick fix who can and should cheerfully quell. Serely predatory men's desires, making them no longer a threat to decent society? It's not surprising that people would use sex workers as the proverbial punching bags for Louis C.K.'s predatory sexual impulses. Sex workers are used to butting heads with the comedy world where vapid strippers and dead hookers run amok in reliably tired stand-up sets and TV shows. Louis C.K. himself has a bit where he talks about how if murder were illegal, everyone would be a murderer, making those who don't murder others suspicious. The joke goes, not even a hooker, live a life. What's wrong with that guy? Sex workers are some of comedy's most disposable people, which is made even worse by the fact that it's a reflection of reality. Amnesty International reports that sex workers around the world are routinely subjected to violence and stigma due to criminalization and marginalization. So it isn't that surprising to me that people would, in a similar vein, suggest that sex workers exist merely to absorb whatever sexual impulse one might have on a given day, so that non-sex workers may be spared the abuse. As someone who has not only participated in sex work, but who advertised specifically and explicitly for an exchange where men would pay me to watch them masturbate to completion with my full consent, I find this narrative dangerous and offensive. Sex workers do not exist to save abusive men from themselves or to save non-sex working women from abusive men. Every sex worker ought to have the ability to establish her, their own boundaries, their own rates, R-A-T-S, and not face intimidation where they do not give consent for any reason. What's more, dim, what's more dismissing these abusive behaviors as a result of weird fetishes is It's just another excuse not to grapple with these predators' brazen disregard for consent. As for the notion that a so-called fetish drove C.K. to commit his abuses, nonsense, bullshit. I worked in strip clubs and dabbled in selling used underwear on Craigslist, and I found that many men are interested in having women watch them masturbate. Sometimes I've learned this because they asked politely if they couldn't. Other times I've learned this because they whipped out their penises, dicks, cocks, and began doing so without warning or my consent. It could happen in the public area of a strip club while giving a lap dance. He would touch my arm and smile expectantly and look down at his own erection in anticipation of my approval. It could happen VIP. It could happen in a VIP room where there isn't security necessarily watching the cameras at all times. It could happen when I consented only to sell a man a pair of underwear. He began masturbating before he paid me. Long story short, there are a lot of ways a guy can whip it out without your consent, even if you're not that shocked by it. But not being shocked by something does not mean I consented to it. Most of the time, though, they ask first. In fact, they ask so much that... That figured I could cut out the middleman and just advertise for this specific exchange on my own. I ran ads with headlines like Sunday for guys who want a pretty girl to watch them come and want want me to watch you get off for a Saturday. Accompanied by no-nonsense body text that read, so this is pretty straightforward. Most men like to masturbate. Some men prefer to have a pretty young lady watch them do so without her clothes on. I would come over, undress, and watch you jerk off until you finish. Jerk off, jacking off, that's what you're talking about. I never lacked for interest from these ads and rarely lacked for clientele willing to actually meet and pay me what I asked for. But I would tell you that they were not ghoulish and depraved caricatures or mere shadows of decent men who lived in both physical and moral squalor. From their outfits to their apartments to their awkward attempts at small talk, they were almost all aggressively normal. The more people nurturing the the, the more people nurturing that, I'm sorry, the more people nurturing the idea that any man with such a sexual proclivity can be summa, summarily dismissed as an aberration to the natural sexual order, these it becomes to blame perversion rather than predation for these violations. The more people nurturing the idea that any man with such a sexual proclivity can be summarily dismissed as an aberration, to the natural sexual order, the it becomes to blame perversion rather than predation for these violations. There's no reason to believe that a predator will stop behaving abusively if they hire a sex worker. When writing about sex work, there's nothing I hate more than people believing that anything I've written is an attempt to cast the majority of clientele as heroic, misunderstood martyrs in the fight against rape culture. When I say that most of the men I interacted with were normal, I also mean that they behave like most men do in a misogynistic society with an unearned air of entitlement and their propensity for pushing on boundaries based on the assumption that mine were more flexible than I let on. It was not only uncommon to go to these sessions where the agreed upon act was only to watch them and they insist halfway through that I also touch them, touch myself and do all manner of extra acts to which we had not agreed. The idea that Louis C.K. or any other man Has been accused of predatory behavior, will spontaneously develop a healthy respect for boundaries in the context of hiring a sex worker. Is magical thinking a world? Is magical thinking in a world where sex workers remain dangerously stigmatized and frequent targets for violence? Much of the social media discussion about the sex workers as solutions to sexual misconduct was predicated on this idea too. Louis C.K. jerked off in front of girls. You telling me a sex worker will be willing to do that? One user: Sure, some sex workers were content to watch a man masturbate if that was one of the services she offered. Some wouldn't. There are plenty of hard limits and boundaries each sex worker makes her own. Another user tweeted: You're a sex worker You're complaining about Lewis C K masturbating in front of women? That's ridiculous. The idea that sex workers forfeit any right to assert consent or to be angered when the consent of other women is violated perpetuates the myth that sex workers are inherently morally compromised or interested so single-mindedly on earning a profit from sexual services that she gives up her right to assert boundaries, agency, and solidarity with those whose consent is disregarded. I am disheartened and repulsed by the the pernicious idea that sex workers are convenient, receptacles for the world's predatory men eager and able to absorb whatever predilection comes their way, as long as the price is right. Zeroing in on the allegedly anom- anomalous sexual actor of Louis C.K. performance to lose sight of a criminal act he inflicted on the women who are present for this violation. Believing that sex workers can serve as a band-aid for the gaping wound created by masculine sexual entitlement is an avoidance tactic that won't shield anyone but predators. Sex workers are not a life hack. They are human beings who have every right to choose what sexual acts they will perform, whom they will perform them with, and under what circumstances. That there exists so many who would deny them these basic acknowledgments is a sicker joke than any of the ones I've heard about dead hookers. She's... She spoke all of my thoughts,
0: so there's nothing for me to add. So, I'm now just thinking about what else I should be reading to you. That's that plenty of energy. Okay, so let me. Let me just see if I need to say anything more. Well, this is what I will say. Let me go through this. List
1: of federal political sex scandals in the United States. Many sex scandals in American history have involved incumbent United States federal elected politicians, as well as persons appointed with the consent of the United States Senate. Sometimes the officials have denied the accusations, have apologized, or have lost their office in consequence of the scandal by resigning, being defeated, or deciding not to run again. This list is ordered chronologically. There is some emphasis on sex work scandals since the mid-1970s because the media was less inclined to cover these matters before then. Additionally, outing people because of perceptions that their political positions are anti-gay has become increasingly common since 1989. More generally, any perceived inconsistency between personal conduct and policy positions makes a politician's sex life more likely to become publicized. Definitions. One of the definitions of sex is physical activity in which people touch each other's bodies, kiss each other, etc. Thus, instances or accusations of sexism, homophobia, or exhibitionism that do not include or seek that sort of physical activity are not covered by this list. Scandals defined as loss of or damage to reputation caused by actual accused or apparent violation of morality or propriety. Scandal is not the same as controversy, which implies two different points of view, and is also not the same as unpopularity. Misunderstandings, breaches of ethics, or coverups may or may not result in scandals depending on the amount of publicity generated and the seriousness of the alleged behavior. 1776 through 1899. Alexander Hamilton, Federalist Party, Secretary of the Treasury, Hamilton, had an affair with Maria Reynolds while both were married to other people. See Hamilton Reynolds' sex scandal. Reynolds' husband blackmailed Hamilton, who paid to maintain secrecy. In 1797, when Hamilton no longer held the post of Treasury Secretary, the affair was publicized by journalist James Callender, after which Hamilton publicly apologized, said Hamilton, This confession is not made without a blush. I can never cease to condemn myself for the pang which it may inflict in a bosom eminently entitled to all my gratitude, fidelity, and love, 1796. Thomas Jefferson, Democratic, Republican, Virginia. President. I can't call him president. I can't. I can't call any of the founding fathers president. I refuse to. If I existed during their time, they would have flogged me. They would have raped me. They would have malnourished me, starved me, dehydrated me, made me illiterate. I could have been murdered for being black back that I'm not speaking any of this to existence. I know better. I'm not doing it. I'm just telling the truth. So Thomas Jefferson was publicly accused of fathering the children of slave Sally Hemings by journalist James Callender, who also publicized Alexander Hamilton's affair in the Jefferson's Hemings. They call it a controversy. Here's the truth. Thomas Jefferson raped Sally Hemings. When you are in slavery, there is no such thing as consent. There is no such thing as permission. There is no such thing as human rights of any kind. There's no such thing as liberty nor freedom. So anything said and done is strictly non-consensual, exploitative, unsafe, dishonest, treacherous, joyless, hateful, barbarous, dehumanizing, demonizing,
0: sweeping pure evil under the rug covering up an undercover cult. In this case,
1: slavery was the opened, legalized cult of North America. That is what happened. I don't call it a controversy. I call it sexual abuse. Hemmings was the half-sister of Jefferson's late wife, Martha, and based partly upon DNA evidence, there is now a scholarly consensus that either a relative of Thomas Jefferson or Thomas Jefferson himself fathered several of Sally Hemmings' children. Again, she became forcibly pregnant because of the forcible rape. Thomas Jefferson did that to Sally Higgins. I personally think it was Thomas Jefferson because if he truly wasn't the father, he should have easily refuted reports that he was the father. If you truly do nothing wrong, it's easy to have evidence for your lack of wrongdoing. But the fact that he kept quiet proves to me he is the dad to all their kids. And I say that with disgust in my heart because of the way the kids were forced to come into the world because of what should have been criminalized. Slavery and raping human beings that you're forcing into enslavement, all of that should have been criminalized. All of that should have been very much deserving of
0: prosecution, and life imprisonment sentencing. In January
1: 2000, a Thomas Jefferson Foundation Research Committee concluded that all the known evidence indicated with high probability that Thomas Jefferson was the father of Esten Hemmings and that he was also like the father of all of six of Sally Hemmings' children listening to Monticello Records. A later report from a Thomas Jefferson heritage society committee differed and came to the conclusion that Randolph, presumably Thomas Jefferson Randolph Jefferson's grandson, he was known to have have been invited to visit Monticello around the time of Eston's conception, but no record of an actual visit has been found. It's more likely the father or possible that one of Jefferson's car's nephews is the father. If these people, one of them is the father, Thomas Jefferson should have said so publicly. the fact that he didn't, it's all Thomas Jefferson being the father of all
0: Sally's kids. Because if you, if my reputation is on the
1: line, but more importantly, my character is on the line,
0: my truth will shame the liars. If you want to say you're going to throw
1: relatives under the bus?
0: Yes. Absolutely.
1: Sometimes it's healthy in this context. Y'all doing wrong, but I'm not. I'm going to blast you to the public. So if your career and your life is ruined because of it, that's because you fucked up, not me. The fact that he never said anything about it proves to me, Thomas Jefferson, is a predator, a pervert, a narcissist, psychotic, a
0: psychopath, a sociopath, a psychopath. I don't even call him a human being. He's that inhumane. And I feel the same way about any and all the slave owners. Andrew Jackson, Democrat, Tennessee, U.S.
1: Congressman, U.S. Senator, territorial or military government appointed to Florida, later President of the United States, I'm not ever gonna call him President, Fuck that had married Rachel Donaldson Jackson in 1791. Both of them believed her divorce from her abusive alcoholic first husband, Lewis Reynolds, was final. However, Rob Bards had never completed his paperwork, rendering Jackson and Rachel's 1791 marriage void, and the couple married again in 1794. Throughout his later career, opponents of Jackson portrayed Rachel as a bigamist, Shortly after he was elected president in 1828, instead of going to call him president, to hell with that shit. But before the inauguration, Rachel suffered a nervous collapse and died. Jackson blamed this on the big Me charges during the campaign. He was bereaved at the loss of his wife in
0: 1828. <sighs> Dumbass shit is the first words that popped into
1: my mind. Richard Mentor Johnson, Senator Democrat from Kentucky. I i can't, I'm not calling him Senator. I'm not calling uh, Alexander Hamilton Secretary. Hell no, 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 no. Did not attempt to hide his relationship with a slave named Julia Chen. I, I'm, look, I can't call it consensual because he... Enslave a human being. There's nothing. There's no such thing as consent of any and all kinds because of the word slave. I call it sexual abuse. Did I attempt to hide his "quote-unquote" relationship? Not relationship with a slave named Julia Chin, which caused his own party to distance themselves from him and contributed to his failed Senate reelection bid in 1820. Though they were prohibited from marrying, Johnson Jr. as a common law wife, and No, 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 no,
0: no, Because you're enslaving human beings, she's not your common law wife. It's, you forced her to enslavement, so therefore
1: you, vic- you are victimizing her. If you're victimizing a person you have no say, so even
0: if you said no, he would have overpowered you. I don't use consensual language
1: when we're talking about bondage here. That's disrespectful. She died in 1833 before became vice president under Martin Van Buren. I'm not calling him vice president. No, no, no. John Henry Eaton Democrats, Secretary of War, I, I can't, anybody from this time, for, I'm just not comfortable calling them Secretary, President, I, I'm just not, or Senator, no, no, they were not harsh against slavery and segregation,
0: no, 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 no. John Henry
1: Eaton, Democrat Secretary of War, allegedly had an affair with Margaret O'Neill Timberlake, the wife of John B. Timberlake, which allegedly drove Timberlake to suicide. See, Pentacote affair. Eaton then married the widow Peggy, which led to social and political difficulties during the administration of President Andrew Jackson. No, I don't call him president. He makes Donald Trump happy. Do I call Donald Trump president? No. I call them moral filth. James Henry Hammond, nullifier party, South Carolina, U.S. representative and later senator, engaged in a homosexual relationship with a college friend, pursued what he called a little di- da- daily answer with his teenage nieces. No, 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 no. He sex-crimed his teenage nieces. That's what he... That's what the, the shit show did. did uh, God damn it, did shit stain. And had sexual relations with female slaves. No, he sexually violated his women forced into slavery. He sexually violated girls into sl- who are forced into slavery, including a girl age 12. The age gives itself away on what he did. The affair with his nieces no stop calling an affair he, he molested his nieces he sexually assaulted his nieces became public in 1843 and forced him to withdraw from the senate bid in 1846 later became a u.s senator later became a u.s senator again in 1857 rewarding pedophiles rewarding predators That is why Donald Trump lived in the White House from 2017 to 2021. That's the same dude who said, I would have sex with my own daughter. Incest is in
0: Donald Trump's heart. And then, all the women that Donald Trump sexually tortured, He was able to live
1: in the same White House built by black people forced into slavery. And the same black people were experiencing sexual violence and sexual battery
0: by the hands of devils. I call them devils not out of racism, but
1: because of their heart. I'm not call. I'm not saying blue-eyed devils. I don't care what you look like. If you're engaging in criminality, if you're engaging in shredding a human souls and human bodies, you are a devil, period. We gotta stop rewarding. Perversion, we got to stop rewarding sickness too. Daniel Webster, U.S. Senator, Whig, Massachusetts, was the subject of accusations by reporter Jane Grace Swisham in May 1850 while he was married, still serving in Congress. His mistresses are generally, if not always, colored women. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm just reading the quote. I, I say black women, okay? I don't lump all non-white people. I don't say people of color. I just, I just don't. I, I describe people the way they want me to describe them, that best respects them. Some of them big black winches, ugly and vulgar as himself. No, 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 no. That is not how we talk about people. That is not how we talk about women. That is not how we talk about human beings. That is not how we talk about persons. I can't call him a senator. Not even James, that guy. No. The national press widely copied the charges of infidelity, which are at least partly corroborated by the source 1850. No. 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 No.
0: I, I hate all this. I hate all this. I'm going to finish the next part in the
1: morning, but let me get all this out.
0: Plus, if
1: you're a, if, if you have racism in your heart and you're with Black women, but you're a white guy, I can't call that consensual because. You're using your racism to dethrone the queen of black women. I can't call consent on that one. That's disrespectful to black women. I'm just not going to do that. James Buchanan, Democrat U.S. Senator, diplomat, later President of the United States, William Rufus Kingdom, Democrat, Alabama. I'm I'm not going to call them titles because they don't they don't have a Black Lives Matter attitude toward black people. They did not. They were not anti-racist, so therefore I will not call them titles they don't deserve. Who served as vice president? Bullshit. I call bullshit on that one. Just the titles doesn't fit them. Under Franklin Pearson, who died in 1853 before Buchanan became president. Ugh. I hate those terms relating to them. But the subject of scandalous gossip alleging a homosexual fair Washington D.C. for many years. Andrew Jackson to King as Miss Nancy, 1850. A lot of times, some people use the word homosexual as a derogatory term. That's not why I said, that's not why I read what I read. I'm just telling the truth of how people thought back then. Homophobia was much more normalized back then than it is now, hence the language. Some people use the word gay as a derogatory term. Not me. I just say that a a person of one gender who likes their same gender. Okay. Some people use those words to
0: accuse you of embodying lacking of noble character, which is Atrocious. (sighs) Atrocious. <sighs> I, I I hate LGBTQI plus phobia
1: because I am extremely fully supportive of LGBTQI plus community. Philip Barton Key Jr., United States Attorney for the District of Columbia and son of Francis Scott Key. Had a public affair with Teresa Bangioli Sickles, the wife of the U.S. Congressman and later Civil War Major General General Daniel Sickles, himself a public serial adulterer, who gunned him down in broad daylight in Lafayette Square in 1859. Sickles was acquitted of murder after the first successful temporary sanity defense in the United States put forward by his attorneys James T. Brady, John Graham, and Edward Stanton, later Lincoln Secretary of War. Grover Cleveland, president, Democrat New York during the 1884 presidential race, the news broke that Cleveland had paid child support to the widowed Maria Crofts Halpin for her son Oscar Folsom Cleveland, born in 1874. Halpin accused Cleveland of raping her, leading to her pregnancy, and she also accused him of later institutionalizing her against her will to gain control of the child. Cleveland's acknowledgement of Oscar's paternity and millerated the political situation. But the controversy,
0: stop calling it controversy, just call it. The word depravity comes to my mind. I'm not yawning out of boredom and yawning because after
1: this episode, I gotta get me some sleep. But the depravity prompted Cleveland's opponents to adopt the chat. Mama, where's my paw? After Cleveland won the election, the chant was answered by a gone to the White House. Ha, ha, ha. There is
0: no humor in inhumanity. There is no humor
1: in criminalizing other people. There is no humor in marginalizing
0: other people.
1: There is no humor in traumatizing other people. William Campbell Preston Breckinridge, representative in Kentucky, former mistress Madeleine Pollard sued Breckinridge for a breach of promise after his wife died, and he failed to marry Pollard as promised. The, con- the congressman was not reelected in 1894. George Q. Cannon, Republican, Utah territorial delegate, was refused a seat in the Congress due to his arrest of unlawful cohabitation polygamy. He served nearly six months of penitentiary in 1888.
0: This has to be talked about. Hmm. I'll finish the rest tomorrow, and I'm going to start,
1: as soon as I wake up, I'm going to start on the episode so I can talk as long as I need to, okay? I'm going to go back to publishing episodes for 11 a.m. Thank you for letting me speak.